the sovereignty of God. Like again, like step back from Acts chapter 10. God is moving, man. He's moving in a guy in Joppa. He's moving in a guy in Caesarea, 45 kilometers away. He has an angel appear to one. God's voice and a vision is to the other. He brings them together. He's using servants they've never met before. He's orchestrating the power of the gospel. God's sovereignty is at work. These two men, what's happening, will change the world. You want to talk about a supernatural appointment? Acts 10, here it is again. Hi, friends, and welcome once again to Live in the Light. We're always glad to have you join us. And in fact, we'd love to hear from you if God has been transforming your life through the teaching of his word. Hey, in case you missed yesterday's program, we hit the ground running, or maybe it was dreaming in Acts chapter 10 with a story that begins with Peter at the seacoast of Joppa and ends with him before a Roman centurion named Cornelius. It's a story of a supernatural vision and one that gives us an even bigger picture of God's international plans for his kingdom. Let's join up with Pastor Robbie now in Acts chapter 10 to hear more. Distinctions between Jews and Gentiles was food. Right? So like this was one of the great separations between Jew and Gentile. The, the, the Jews ate foods that were considered clean by Old Testament law. The Gentiles would eat foods that were unclean. All of that ends right here in this vision with Peter. I mean, that's a huge deal. So you're Peter, you're like, what, 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 what? Wait, wait, wait a second. I've been raised my whole life in this law. And you're telling me just like that, it's over? Peter called nothing, nothing of the foods unclean. I mean, you can imagine Peter, he's taken aback by this. He's like, whoa, whoa, wait a second. Warren Wearsby says it this way. God was not simply changing Peter's diet. He was changing his entire program, okay? This was a monumental moment in the world and the relationship of the gospel between Jews and Gentiles. One of the great, listen to this too, one of the great realities of the gospel is it's not that Jews are clean and Gentiles are unclean, one of the great realities of the gospel, all are unclean. In Romans chapter three, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. In Romans chapter three, no one is good, no, not one. In Romans chapter three, no one seeks after God. No one is clean in the reality of the gospel. All are unclean in their sin and need to be saved by the Lord Jesus Christ. So again, what is happening here? It's such a major message. Notice this, that God, it says in verses 14 and 15, God gives this vision or this message to Peter, not once, not twice, but three times. Poor Peter, eh? His multiples are three throughout his life, eh? Eh? Peter denies Christ three times. Jesus meets him after the resurrection, says, do you love me three times? Peter's so discouraged. And here's Peter again, 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 who can blame him? And this is such a monumental kind of news story right here. Three times God sends him this message because he has to make sure Peter understands what he is saying. Peter did in part, but he wouldn't fully see the picture again until the verses to come. So the call Cornelius, the confusion, Peter. Thirdly, we see this, the connection. 
The connection now, Jew meets Gentile. Now this is gonna lead us from verses 17 to 33. So many verses there, let me recap, okay? So Peter then meets the servants of Cornelius. They travel together. They report to him, he's amazed. They travel together. They then meet Cornelius and they recall the situations. Cornelius is like, I saw an angel. And Peter's like, I, I heard the, you know, the voice from God. They come together in this amazing moment. So let's just maybe pick up at verse 31. Cornelius and said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard and your alms have been remembered before God. Send therefore to Joppa and ask for Simon, who's called Peter. He is lodging in the house of Simon and Tanner by the sea. So I send for you at once and you have been kind enough to come. So Peter would have traveled 45 kilometers to do this, okay? And then he says, now therefore we are all here in the presence of God. It's amazing, like Cornelius, again, he is on the right track. He's not yet saved, yet he he understands like God's working in him. We are in the presence of God to hear all that you have commanded. You have been commanded um, by the Lord. So a few observations right here of this section of the supernatural book and this awesome story on the screen for you. Number one, notice this, the sovereignty of God, okay? The sovereignty of God. Like again, like step back from Acts chapter 10. God is moving, man. He's moving in a guy in Joppa. He's moving in a guy in Caesarea, 45 kilometers away. He has an angel appear to one. God's voice and a vision is to the other. He brings them together. He's using servants they've never met before. He's orchestrating the power of the gospel. God's sovereignty is at work. These two men, what's happening will change the world. I mean, you want to talk about a supernatural appointment? Acts 10, here it is again. God is always working. God is sovereign. Church, God is working among us. God is moving among us right now. He's moving in this place, in this service right now. Like I tell you, watch out, man, watch out. You better be ready because you're next. You're next. You a willing vessel? You're next. I'm telling you, be ready, be ready. Young people, experienced people, everyone in between, be ready, be ready. God is moving and you could be next. I love the sovereignty of God. I love looking at Acts 10 and be like, look at God go, look at him go. He does whatever he wants, uses whoever he wants. He brings them together. He saves them. He's pursuing them. I love that theme throughout Acts. I was thinking of God's sovereignty and I thought of, you know, the war we live in right now in Isaiah 33, it says, the sovereignty of God will be the stability of our times. God is the stability of our times. You worry, you fearful, look at God's sovereignty. And then I thought about my personal Bible reading plan right now. Every section I'm in right now is dripping with God's sovereignty. For example, I'm in Genesis right now, the story of Joseph. I mean, if there's one verse that highlights that entire story of Genesis, again, with the story of Joseph, Joseph says what you meant for evil, God meant for good, because God is sovereign. God is in control. He led Joseph down to Egypt to save his people from famine. I'm in the Psalms. It's like every third verse is God says, I raise up and I tear down. I'm the God who causes the wind and the thunder and the rain, the sovereignty of God everywhere. I'm in the gospel of Luke right now in the early chapters of the Christmas story, the incarnation. I mean, you wanna see God's sovereignty? Here he is interacting in time, giving his son as a gift to the world to be the son of God, to save us from our sins. Just dripping, I'm in, I'm in, the, I'm in the book of Job. I mean, talk about God's sovereignty within suffering. 
If Job doesn't know God is, is, is sovereign, the whole thing falls apart. Then I was just two days ago, I was in Ephesians chapter one uh, with my son and we're unpacking the sovereignty of God in salvation. And both of us stopped for a moment, sat there, stared at the wall. And both of us had that emoji of your head blowing off. You're just like, man, like the sovereignty of, we are chosen before the foundation of the world. We have been predestined according to the praise of his glorious grace, according to the purpose of his will. Are you kidding me? Listen, if God's not sovereign, I quit. But if God is sovereign, I'm in times infinity. And he is sovereign, so I'm in times infinity. I'm so encouraged by this. Look at what's happening in Acts chapter 10. Loved ones, be encouraged by this. Be encouraged by this. Notice secondly, the saving heart of God. When you're in Acts chapter 10 here, um, why is this chapter here? Why the visions? Why all the teaching? Why the meeting between these people? Here's why, ready? Because people are about to be saved. That's why. Why is God doing this? He's saving people from sin. That's why Acts chapter 10 is here. Look at God's heart here. Look at his heart to save. Hey, this just in, ready? He's not done yet. He's not done yet. Jesus Christ hasn't returned. People are coming to Christ all around us in this place, at this time, in this season. Since this church began, it will continue on. There are people here right now, this could be the day that your life is changed forever by the power of the gospel of the good news of Jesus Christ, forgiven from your sin, okay? People are coming to saving faith in Jesus Christ. That's the saving heart of God and he wants to use you in the process. The sovereignty saving heart of God. Thirdly, this, the solidarity of God. The solidarity, what do you mean by that? Notice what's happening in Acts 10. God takes Cornelius and Peter. He, brings, he takes a Jew and a Gentile. He brings them together for unity and fellowship in the gospel of Jesus Christ. At the end of this chapter, man, when the Jews see the Holy Spirit falling upon the Gentiles, they're like, God is saving the Gentiles too. And they come together as one body and one church and one Lord and one faith and one baptism. It's the heart of God for the solidarity again of bringing people together to save them from every tribe and tongue and nation. Again, we're so blessed here in this church. Just look around for a second. Look at around at all the different nationalities represented. Look around at all the different nations. Look around all the different languages that are spoken. We estimate in this church now, I think realistically speaking, there's probably 60, 70, possibly 80 different languages spoken within our church body and family here. That is so beautiful. That is so awesome. That is the gospel. It's what the gospel does. We come together to love each other in the purposes of the Lord Jesus Christ. Again, I love, I love how 30 miles, 45 kilometers apart, you Cornelius, you Peter, come together and see the fellowship and the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, there's a growing trend in the church in our day, in our current society. There's a growing trend in the church that people say, I belong to a church, but really I only attend once a month or even less. That's becoming a problem. There are people that say, hey, where do you go to church? Whole Bible church. How often do you go out? Oh, once every six weeks? It's like, mm, mm, I don't know if you attend this church. I mean, you might visit sometimes, but I don't think you can really be part of a church when it's that infrequent. I mean, we gotta be, we gotta be really careful in that trend of the power and the purpose of meeting together in the fellowship of the Holy Spirit as we're able, of course, as we're able 
gather time here. Gather time is prime time. We are praying this is the most powerful 90, 105 minutes, 120 minutes of your week. We are praying the power of being together in this way. We're praying that we're teaching our kids and modeling for them the importance of the gathered body and family of Christ. We're teaching them something, I'll tell you that much. As to the importance or the unimportance, again, of the gathered body of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm so glad you're all here right now. I'm so glad that you've taken the time. Again, this is, this is, this is so important. God bringing Peter and Cornelius together. And I love this. He's bringing nations together. That's what the gospel does. You know, in this case, Peter could never have imagined this guy Cornelius, 45 kilometers away, this Gentile, this Roman soldier, that in just a few moments they'd be bringing together and the gospel would overwhelm the spirit of God, would save them. He could never have probably imagined that. Yet this is what the Lord does. Who can God use in our lives to do something similar? Who can we reach out to in the power of the gospel? People that we thought that'll never happen, but this is what the gospel does. It unites people in the greatest purpose ever. It's the heart of God. It's the blessing of the togetherness in the gospel of Jesus. So the call Cornelius, the confusion Peter, the connection Jew meets Gentile, then number four, this, the clarity Jesus Christ. The clarity Jesus Christ. Now what happens now in verse 34, Peter arrives and he's like, okay, now I get it. And the Holy Spirit, man, just overwhelms him. Look at how Peter brings it here in verse 43. Okay, now, by the way, could it be that Cornelius' household is the most receptive audience ever in terms of preaching? Hey, eh? can you imagine an audience that was more prepared and hungry to receive and hear what they're about to hear? Like an angel appears to Cornelius, God's working like crazy. He sends servants, Peter comes down and all of a sudden Peter's there and he's like, let's go, man, here comes the gospel. And they must've just been like, you know, mouth open, eyes like bugged out and just like salivating for the truth. It's a preacher's dream, an absolute preacher's dream. Look at verse 34. So Peter opened his mouth and he said, truly I understand that God shows no partiality. Okay, this is, this is a brilliant section of scripture. But in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. And as for the word that he sent to Israel, preaching the good news of peace, watch him just unpack the life, death, and resurrection. He hits every part that is essential to the gospel of Jesus here. Verse 37, um, peace through Jesus Christ. You yourselves know what happened throughout all of Judea, beginning from Galilee and after the baptism of John proclaimed how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all that he did both in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. Notice they put him to death by hanging him on a tree, but God raised him on the third day and made him to appear, not to all, but us chosen by God, verse 42, and he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God to be the judge of the living, and he's leaving nothing out, the judge of the living and the dead. Notice, to him all the prophets bear witness that everyone, ready, here we go, ready? That everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his 
name, the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. There is no greater life-changing news than the news of Jesus Christ, okay? And what I wanna do right now is I want to unpack this glorious passage briefly, but I pray hopefully clearly and powerfully. Peter starts with verse 35, every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. And then he launches into the glory of Jesus Christ. Up on the screen for you. I want you to see this up on the screen for you. Um, I wanna walk through just this passage, okay? This is just what's in this passage right here and bring clarity to each statement. Okay, watch what Peter does. He says this, that Jesus Christ is the peace. He's peace with God. He's peace with God. Clarity, okay? That means that Jesus, only Jesus, can reconcile us to God. Only Jesus can do that. Jesus is the anointed of God. Clarity, Jesus Christ is the son of God or Jesus Christ is God. A Jesus Christ and the miracles of God, Peter talks about. Clarity, Jesus Christ was attested to us by God. There has never been and will never be anyone like Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ and his death for us. Clarity, Jesus alone can pay for our sins. Maybe you're here today. It's not about you being a good person. You'll never be good enough. Only Jesus can pay for your sins, all of them past, present, and future. Jesus Christ was raised by God. Clarity, Jesus Christ defeated death. And anyone who loves and believes in Jesus, you too will defeat death and be raised to newness of life. Jesus Christ is the one who will judge the living and the dead. Clarity, Jesus Christ holds all authority. Jesus Christ has been given the authority from the Father to judge the living and the dead. He will decide the eternal fate of all people who have ever lived according to whether they have received him or rejected him. Jesus Christ alone can forgive our sins, Peter ends with. Clarity, ready? All religions are not the same. Got to make this abundantly clear from our text today. All religions are not, why would you say that, Robbie? Because look what happened. Look, Take, take Cornelius, okay? A God-fearing, devout, continually praying, generous man to the things of God, and yet he was not saved. He needed Jesus Christ. God was working in him, but he, hasn't, he wasn't saved. It's so clear here that all religions are not the same because only salvation is found through Jesus Christ. Only Jesus Christ can forgive our sins. So at this moment, Peter is preaching, man, the spirit of God is working, has been working. I mean, Cornelius' whole life has been led into this moment and his whole household, we find out too. His eyes are being opened. His heart is being regenerated. His life is being totally transformed. If you look at verse 44, it says, and all who heard the word, the Holy Spirit fell upon. Man, the power of the Holy Spirit to change lives through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Holy Spirit, would you save lives today? Save lives today, Lord. Holy Spirit, change lives even now. Maybe through what's been said already, the clear presentation of the gospel. It's amazing. So again, so much to get through. This is so beautiful though. The call Cornelius, the confusion Peter, the connection Jew meets Gentile, the clarity Jesus Christ. Fifthly, this, the confirmation, the Holy Spirit. The confirmation, the Holy Spirit. So check this out, amazing. 
Verse 44, while Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the words. What does the Holy Spirit do? He just busts right in while Peter's speaking. He interrupts. Greatest interruption ever. All in favor of Holy Spirit interruption? I hope we are. I hope we are, man. I hope we are. Some of us, we say, no, no, no. Holy Spirit, man, it's inconvenient when you show up. Or whatever, right? What are you talking about? Holy Spirit, you do whatever you want to do. May we be so ready to respond in the moment. The power of the Holy Spirit reviving people. This whole house never the same again. Verse 46, and all the believers from among the circumcised, the Jewish people who had come with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles for they were speaking in tongues and extolling God. So Pentecost for the Jews, again, Acts 2. Pentecost for the Gentiles, you could say right here, Acts 10. Here we go, man. The Holy Spirit is building the church of Jesus Christ. Again, no one notice here? The presence of God is the authentication of God. Man, like, join me in praying for this. Join me in praying for the movement of God's Spirit and the theme of reviving hearts and gathering His church and a hunger for Him. Please, please, please join me in praying for this. Did I mention we have a prayer meeting this Wednesday at 7 p.m.? Did I mention that? Okay, I just wanna make sure. I wanna make sure you know if we don't pray, we don't stand a chance. We gotta pack this place out, man. We gotta pray to the Lord. Only the Lord can do this. Look at only the Holy Spirit through Jesus Christ. Only he can do these things. Again, notice this too. As soon as the Jewish people see the Holy Spirit and the Gentiles, they're like, wow, they're saved too. When they see the Holy Spirit, that's the confirmation, it's legit. Some of you are here right now. There's some young people here right now. And you're like, maybe there's some, older people here right now. And you're like, I don't know if I'm saved. What's the single greatest indication that you know you're truly saved in Jesus Christ? It's the guarantee of the assurance the Holy Spirit brings as he resides within you. Ephesians 1 verse 14, the Holy Spirit has been given as a guarantee to our inheritance in the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, are you here right now? And you're like, man, I look around the people and they seem to have this and that. And they seem to be going away for the Lord that I'm not. And you're like, I don't know if I'm saved. You, you beg Jesus Christ to save you and show you the guarantee of the Holy Spirit who resides, we pray, in you as the assurance of your salvation in Jesus Christ. That's what the Holy Spirit does. That's who he is in us. He is the guarantee of what's to come. The assurance he brings. Man, from the day I was saved, March 9th, 97, I've had many, many different times of struggle and doubt and fear and trial and tribulation and despair and depression, all of that. But I have never truly doubted whether or not I'm in Christ. Let me say, I've had times of doubt and times of whatever, certain things, but not when it comes at the end of the day, when Satan tries to condemn and tries to discourage, I can hold up the fact, I know that my Redeemer lives because he lives in me. I know I am saved in Jesus Christ because the power of the Holy Spirit has made me new and I have new life in him. So in Jesus' name, get away from me, Satan. In Jesus' name, again, the assurance that the Spirit of God brings here in our text, and I pray here in our lives. 
So the Jews were amazed. They were astonished because they know exactly what that means. And Holy Spirit, bring revival. <sighs> Holy Spirit, revive us. Holy Spirit, move. Holy Spirit, we need you so much. The call Cornelius, the confusion Peter, the connection Jew meets Gentile, the clarity Jesus Christ, the confirmation Holy Spirit. Last one, we're done here. Number six. Any idea? Any guesses? The command, baptism. Hey, wouldn't you know it? We end with baptism again. Verse 47. Look at, look at verse 47. Then Peter declared, he saw all this happening. Look at this. Then Peter declared, can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? Look at the pattern now establishing throughout the New Testament in the early church, right? Conversion, faith, Holy Spirit, again, regeneration, all that goes with that, conversion, justification. And from there, there's salvation, baptism. Notice, notice verse 48. And Peter commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Do you know we have another baptism service coming up on March 8th? Because there's a lineup started again for people wanting to be baptized. And I'm praying the lineup's getting long. Like, this is exciting because we're seeing this all throughout the Bible right now. I mean, this isn't something that, notice Peter's like, hey, um, I suggest to you when you get around to it, maybe you want to consider if you have time, if it's convenient for you, if you can just get the kids to their sporting event and maybe come back afterwards and maybe get back. He's not saying that. He's not, you know, uh, proposing. It's a good idea. I strongly urge him to say, he's like, I command them to be baptized. Some of you are here right now. You're saved in the Lord Jesus Christ. You hear the Holy Spirit saying to you right now, he's not suggesting to you. He's commanding you to be baptized for his glory. And for some of you, you've been waiting a long time to hear that phrase right there. And finally, you're like, I give up. I surrender Jesus. I receive the command. I want to obey for the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. I will move forward by faith. Again, man, there's a lot of people in front of you in the line right now who want to get baptized, but man, join it, join it. And we will continue to baptize as long as we need to baptize to see people again. Again, listen, listen, man, have the courage, have the courage some of you maybe have signed up for baptism and then the enemy has tried to have second thoughts. Man, just fight through that. Let us love you. Come, we'll just give you a hug. We'll talk it through with you. And just to see again all the time, such a blessing, so much glory, so encouraging. Notice, he commands them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Why? Because it's the name above all names. Because there is no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. It's the name that covers this whole book. It's the name that is so awesome and so great. It's the name that's so powerful, wonderful, and so beautiful. It's the name we sing. It's the name that changes everything. It's the name we worship. It's the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's pray. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your awesome word and your awesome son, Jesus Christ. Man, I pray. I pray there is beautiful encouragement and faith. I pray you're saving people today. I pray that people sitting here right now, listening, whatever it might be, overflow, you are saving people today. I pray you'll be calling people towards baptism in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. I pray that you will be moving in our church supernaturally and wonderfully. Yes, Lord, 
I pray you will be calling us right now to say, this is the most important moment of my week. And I'm gonna end it off with a bang. I'm gonna sing loud. I'm gonna praise my savior. I'm gonna rejoice in him. May it be so, Lord. Encourage your church. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together. Hey, everyone. I'm sure many of you have heard that November 28th is Giving Tuesday. No, doesn't sound familiar? Well, Giving Tuesday is a global generosity movement unleashing the power of people and organizations to transform their communities and the world. It was created in 2012 as a simple idea, a day that encourages people to do good. Over the past 11 years, this idea has grown into a global movement that inspires hundreds of millions of people to give, collaborate, and celebrate generosity. Live in the Light exists to see lives radically transformed by the revelation of God's truth. This is what's close to our hearts. If you get fired up for the gospel and people learning about Jesus is your heartbeat as well, would you consider spending your Giving Tuesday on Live in the Light? A gift of any amount helps keeps us on the air, and because of that, more people can hear God's Word each day through stations like this. If the mission of Live in the Light resonates with you, you can donate on our website at liveinthelight.ca. We can't wait to see what God will do through the generosity of His people this Giving Tuesday. Catch you next time here at Live in the Light. I wanna-